Uh, welcome to the Middle East Forums webinar series featuring discussions with project directors and our esteemed guest panelists. My name is Benjamin Baird, and I'm the director of MEF Action, the Forum's grassroots advocacy initiative, and I thank everyone for joining us today. Today's panel will feature a 30-minute interview with our guest, Mr. Nima Gulamalipur. During the final thank 10 you. minutes of the show... I will field questions from the audience, which can be left at any time by selecting the Q&A box below. Our panelist today, Nima Gulamalipur, is an Iranian-born member of the Swedish parliament, representing Malmo. He co-founded Perspective on Israel in 2013 to counteract negative perceptions of Israel and served as a policy advisor for the Sweden Democrats starting in 2018. He is author of two books. The English translation of these is Why Multiculturalism is Oppression and Allah Does Not Decide in Sweden. Mr. Gulam Alipur has a Master's of Social Science in Immigration Studies and a Master of Art in Secondary Education. <clears throat> Welcome, Mr. Gulam Alipur, and thank you for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Sure. Uh, I'm going to jump right in with my first question. So you arrived in Sweden as a child in 1987 after your parents fled political persecution in Iran. How has the Sweden that welcomed your family changed since that time? Well, uh, many of the areas uh, where immigrants live have, have been uh, more segregated uh, culturally and ethnically uh, compared to when I was uh, younger and when I was a child uh, growing up in Sweden. And uh, society has become more violent. Like when I was uh, a child uh, in these areas growing up, there wasn't like shootings weren't normal and uh, explosions, bombs uh, wasn't uh, something that was normal. And today is happening too often in Sweden. And uh, the attitude uh, towards uh, migration has also changed. So uh, when I was uh, younger, uh, and when I was a child growing up here in Sweden, uh, there was a very positive attitude uh, among uh, the populace uh, against, uh, against migration and uh, migrants and now that has changed and the attitude is more critical because people see a lot of the problems in Sweden connected uh, to uh, migration. And, and you have also in these segregated areas uh, a, a larger, a bigger problem with cultural um, separateness. So there are societies in the ethnically segregated uh, areas of Sweden where people live uh, separate in their, own, in their own cultural spheres. And that's a big problem too. Uh, a bigger problem today compared to when I came to Sweden. So you yourself are the beneficiary of Sweden's traditionally very liberal immigration system as you describe. Um, what do you say to those who see a contradiction in your taking a strong stand against immigration? Someone who's benefited from immigration but uh, now takes a strong stance against it. Now, yeah, I get that uh, question often, and I see, uh, you know, ethnically et ethnic Swedes or, or migrants as 
you know, persons and uh, every person forms the, their own uh, uh, their own views on politics and society and societal problems. Um, and that's what, what I what I have done. I, I grew up uh, in in these areas, uh, which were um, which were uh, they 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 were the uh, the areas that had the negative consequences of the liberal migration policy of Sweden. So a lot of uh, migrants were uh, concentrated in the same areas, and I grew up in these areas. And these areas had a lot of social problems. And um, the politicians didn't speak about it. Uh, they talked about multicultural areas, uh, and they never talked about the social problems in these areas, both the social problems that were uh, connected to unemployment, but also uh, to uh, cultural issues. And uh, I think it's kind of natural that uh, I form uh, views that were more uh, conservative and uh, that I have a view that I want a more restrictive migration policy because I have seen through my, um, when I've grown up that the, a liberal migration policy has uh, several negative consequences. I see. Uh, so one of these consequences uh, of the failed immigration policy in Sweden has been the Islamization of Swedish society. Um, could you please tell us how Islamism is coming to dominate uh, public life in Sweden? Uh, yes, in, in several ways. So one, you have the narrative. You have a narrative from uh, a leftist establishment here in Sweden that Islam is a part of Swedish cultural heritage. And if you say against this, if you say, if you uh, talk against this narrative, uh, you uh, you are called a racist or a Islamophobe. So uh, this week, I actually wrote on Twitter that Islam is a foreign religion in Sweden, mm. and I got a lot of criticism for for this because. Uh, People thought, why are you saying that Islam is a foreign religion? And this is because it is a foreign religion. The first mosque in Sweden was built 1976. So Swedes before 1976 hadn't seen a mosque, hadn't seen a, a mosque in Sweden. So that's the narrative from the left that uh, you have to accept that Islam is a part of Sweden. Mm. Um, and that's that's a part of the Islamization. Then you have uh, different municipalities, the the state giving different state agencies giving tax funds to Islamic organization. Mm. That's also a part of Islamization because many Swedes they don't um, Islam for them is a religion that is foreign. So why give tax funds uh, to celebrate Islamic holidays and so on and so on. And another part of this is that Islamic organizations have a network with political associations and political parties in Sweden. They have political influence. Uh, 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 academic called Sami Eibson wrote a, a paper about this 
uh, a while ago that got a lot of attention, uh, where he showed that uh, Islamic organization ha have had the political influence in Sweden. Hmm. So the people's alienation with uh, immigration and social welfare policies, which we just touched on a little bit, has resulted in changes in the Riksdag, which is Sweden's parliament. Uh, tell our viewers, if you will, about the political party that you represent, Sweden Democrats. What does it stand for and how did it come to prominence in recent years? So the Sweden Democrat is a social conservative party that uh, tries to create, uh, tries to uh, support policies that uh, uh, that creates a community in Sweden that is not uh, uh, literal. That's like uh, is not uh, divided uh, mm -hmm. through like uh, concepts like multiculturalism. Uh, multiculturalism. I got uh, <laughs> difficulty saying that multiculturalist, uh, and uh, so it's a conservative party. And uh, the the reason uh, the Sweden Democrats uh, uh, gained uh, influence in, in Sweden was because of the migration um, issue. Um, so uh, until two thousand fifteen and the migration crisis, um, there uh, there was like. The other parties, uh, except the Sweden Democrats, didn't see a liberal, a liberal migration policy as a problem, uh, and they didn't see the problems that was were connected to to a liberal migration policy. Mm -hmm. And the Sweden Democrats were the only voice, uh, like giving attention to all these problems that regular people were seeing. Uh, but the, the other parties in the parliament were denying. Mm -hmm. So if you talk about Islamists, uh, 2014, 2013, um, people said like, you're a racist or that's not a big issue and so on and so on. So, um, or if you talked about honor violence, that was also something that uh, the other parties except the Sweden Democrats denied. Uh, that it was a, a big issue in Sweden. So, so the Sweden Democrats uh, gained influence and gained support uh, by uh, talking about all these issues that people saw uh, and that existed uh, that the other parties didn't talk about. And another uh, reason the Sweden Democrats uh, could uh, gain influence was because they were ready to go from being an anti-establishment party to becoming an established pragmatic party. And that's a big step uh, for our party. So we've established what the problem is. Uh, let's talk about policy for a moment. The Swedish government has decided to settle only 900 refugees in 2023. That's down from 5,000 a year since 2018. I think there was a high point during the coronavirus where there was over 6,000. But by any standards, the 900 number is, very, is a very small number of refugees. Uh, slowing the tide of immigration uh, to a trickle is obviously a positive step towards preserving Sweden's culture and values. Uh, but what else? are the Sweden Democrats particularly doing to fight immigration? Uh, so, 
personally, I want to say that um, uh, the, the number 900, 900 quota refugees, that's like a normal number by Nordic standards. Mm. So I think Finland has around a thousand quota refugees and Denmark uh, didn't have any quota refugees from 2019 to 2020. So, um, and then they had 20 like, so So 900 is, is a kind of, you know, a no, normal Nordic, uh, uh, for, for a Nordic country is a normal number. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to other policies, uh, we want to, uh, according to this TIDO agreement that we have with three other parties uh, that sit in the government, uh, we want to strengthen border controls. Um, uh, we, wa- we want also to have identity controls for uh, people uh, who are coming from other countries. So the, tra- the transporter has to control their identity when they're coming into Sweden. Uh, And also we want to have more controls of illegal immigrants. So in Sweden, we have had barely any control of illegal immigrants. So illegal immigrants have even got uh, support from the municipalities, economic support to stay in Sweden. And we want to stop that too. Um, Also, we want to, uh, that different agencies and municipalities can give information to the police about illegal immigrants. So if you don't have permission to be in this country, you have to leave. That's very important because we don't even know how many illegal immigrants we have in Sweden. Hmm. It's very easy to stay if you don't have permission because you get support, a lot of support from different organizations, but also from municipalities and the regions. Also, um, we want, when when it comes to quota refugees, we want to have quota refugees uh, in Sweden that can be integrated. Uh, So it has to be quota persons who can easily be integrated into the Swedish society. Also, um, according to this TIDO agreement, uh, there, there has to be transit center for asylum seekers. So if you come to Sweden and seek asylum, there will be a center where all the process will be done. Uh, and from this center, you will uh, be deported if you don't uh, get asylum in Sweden. And that's a big thing here in Sweden because something that Swedes have been uh, very annoyed about is asylum seekers uh, often from Afghanistan coming into this Swedish society living there, and uh, in some cases, uh, committing crimes. So if you have these transit centers, you will also deliver for the Swedish people a safer society. Um, Also, we want to um, deport foreigners because of bad behavior. So if you behave badly in Sweden, but you haven't committed a crime or you haven't uh, uh, gotten prison time, but behave badly, you, ha- you uh, can be deported. That's also a suggestion, a proposal in this TIDO agreement. Uh, also, a very important proposal that uh, is, uh, can, can ch- be a game changer, you have to qualify into the Swedish welfare. So if you come to Sweden uh, as a foreigner, and if you get um, your permit, permit to stay, 
you can't get all the welfare benefits uh, directly. Like you have to work and pay taxes during a certain time, a period, until uh, you can qualify into the welfare. And that's very important because we have had many asylum seekers that are really economic migrants. And that will start, you know, if, if you have to qualify into the welfare, you will have less economic migrants, uh, probably not, no economic migrants to Sweden. And that's very good for our uh, migration policy. Also, we will have, uh, it will be harder to become a Swedish citizen. Today, you can become a Swedish, a Swedish citizen after five years. Um, if, if you haven't proven your identity, you have to wait eight years uh, until you become a Swedish citizen. And we want, we want to raise that, the five years, to a minimum eight years. Mm -hmm. We in the Sweden Democrats want, want higher, uh, but um, uh, we have to, uh, ha we have to like uh, come uh, to a, a solution in, in our uh, discussions with other parties, but we want to raise that bar. Um, also, you have to learn Swedish. That's also in the TD agreement. You have to learn Swedish and learn more about the Swedish society before you can become a citizen. Today, it's very easy to become a Swedish, Swedish citizen. You have to uh, have a permit in Sweden, to, a permit to stay five years, and then you become a Swedish citizen. Um, and we want to that those who become Swedish citizens have to support themselves. So they can't go on uh, welfare benefits and those kind of stuff. They have to uh, have a paycheck. Uh, I can tell you, yeah, so that's some of our, pro our, of our proposals. There are many proposals, but uh, we, are, um, we are in negotiations with the other parties right now around many of these proposals, but that's so some of the proposals that will be done in some way or another. Hmm. Thank you. Sounds like actually common sense proposals that we could initiate yeah. here in the United States even. Um, so I have to ask, I know it's been a short time since Sweden Democrats have had the opportunity to influence legislation uh, to the point where you can directly attribute policies to them. Um, but are these policies working? The ones that have been in place since 2015 are they starting uh, to work? Are you seeing change in Sweden? No, I, I mean these policies that we're going to um, uh, do, that we're going to implement now with the Sweden Democrats influencing the government, those will work to stop the migration, stop the uh, like reduce uh, the flow of migration. But mm. uh, we have like bigger problems because of the migration we had we have had in Sweden, mm -hmm. and because a lot of people who uh, do not have uh, uh, they don't have their, their uh, they don't they are not a part of the Swedish society, but they have become uh, citizens. Uh, so so that will that problem will stay, and we have to uh, solve that problem with a. Uh, a more effective integration policy. Um, uh, th those problems will not be solved with a my, my, with a effective migration policy. Mm -hmm. yeah, we have areas in in my city, Malmo, like uh, where 
let's say more than 90% of the students in our elementary school uh, talk Arabic with each other. They don't talk Swedish with each other. Mm. So how do you integrate those students and how do you integrate people in those areas? Um, that's a very hard problem to solve. Um, so, um, but uh, we have to work with, with, in, in, with uh, having a better, a more effective integration policy. And th that's something else than having a restrictive migration policy. What problems that will be solved is that we will get uh, less people from Middle East and from cultural zones that are, um, that are like uh, far from Sweden to Sweden. So uh, we will have less of that migration and uh, that will get us, give us some breathing space to uh, work with other problems we have in Sweden. Thank you. Um, I do want to jump into our audience questions now. Um, our, our time's a bit limited. Um, there's quite a few of them. I'm going to start with David Levine, who asks, you represent Malmo. How did you get elected there, considering the nature of the population? So many leftists and Islamo-fascists. Well, that's a good question. Sweden has a special uh, system for electing uh, uh, electing me members of parliament so uh, you are not like elected di directly uh, from the constituents but we had uh, around 16 17 percent support here in Mamo uh, the, like there are parts of Mamo where we have strong support there are parts of Mamo we have strong supports support among migrants, because there are lots of migrants who have come to Sweden and have been a part of the society. They, they are a part of the society. They go to work every day. They are very integrated and they are very upset about the liberal migration policy and how it has affected the, their lives. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a such migrant that I've I've like grown up in these areas, and um, I'm aware that the liberal migration policy has affected my life and uh, my areas very negatively. And there there are more migrants who know about that. Uh, so we have support among Swedes, uh, ethnic Swedes, and uh, among migrants uh, because there are a lot of people. We, we're the second largest party in this country. There are a lot of people who support our policies and are tired of the uh, of the like of all the crime and all the uh, the, the that, that there's uh, not safety in the society mm -hmm. and that anybody can come to Sweden like that that's something that people are not happy about that people can come to Sweden get citizenship and then go on welfare if you work you you're kind of pissed off on uh, on those policies, uh, and it doesn't matter if you're a migrant or ethnic Swede. Jerry Stern asks, are there any no-go zones in Sweden's cities, specifically Muslim-majority neighborhoods where police will not enter or patrol because they fear for their safety? Uh, no, there are not. There are no such zones. Uh, there are some areas that are called uh, 
särskilt utsatta. Like in English, that is a specially uh, challenged areas, maybe specially um, areas that that have special problems, special social problems. And in those areas, the police uh, is instructed to go in uh, in mass, like. Uh, Several police have going have have to go in uh, in the same time. The, the police there can they, the the police have have to be more aware when they go going to those areas. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean the, there are no no go zones. I was myself in Rusingor two weeks ago, campaigning, um, which is one of those famous areas with a lot of migrants, and it's an area that is not that safe. But um, the violence in Sweden today is usually between criminal gangs. So it's a criminal gang, uh, a criminal member of a gang that kills another criminal member. And in that process, it happens that innocent people uh, are shot or, or are hurt in, in some ways. Uh, but usually if you're a person that is honest and you know go to work every day, you are not uh, uh, attacked or, or shot or something like that in, in Sweden. So then, then we have other sorts of crime. We have um, Swedes, ethnic Swedes getting mugged, getting beaten because they're ethnic Swedes in, in areas where there are lots of migrants. And that's another problem. So, uh, but there are no no-go zones, uh, those kind of areas. Uh, do not exist. Uh, JL asks a very good question um, and one that we hope to answer from this webinar. Is it too late to reverse the damage being done to Sweden's national identity and values by the previous waves of Islamic migration? That's a very hard uh, question to answer, actually, mm -hmm. because if if we have this Muslim immigration that is going on now, I think in uh, five to ten years it will be too late. Uh, if it's not too late today, mm. for some areas in Sweden it's too late. Like if you take Rusingor, like where I was campaigning, you could see that there are no ethnic Swedes in those areas. So mm. what 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 can you do about that? Like how do you integrate people? when the entire area is like, in some ways, in many ways, Islamic, is an Islamic area. And when you go to the mall in Rusingord or other such Islamic areas, they, they are like selling Arabic literature, they're selling uh, a lot of stuff that has with Middle East to do, not with Sweden. So, so in some parts of Sweden, it's too late, in other parts, not. That, that's well, that's a way to answer that question. And, and if if the Muslim immigration continues, uh, Sweden's national identity will be extremely changed. And that's going on right now. Uh, Len asks, and we'll make this our final question, uh, are most Swedish citizens in favor of restricting legal immigration? Um, yes. They are. Uh, the thing is that if if you say that you want restrict uh, legal immigration, um, 
I mean, the thing is, what we what do we mean with legal immigration? We're mm -hmm. we're uh, changing laws in Sweden now uh, to to restrict legal immigration. If we have a legal immigration in Sweden that is sustainable and does not change the national identity of Sweden and does not make the society uh, unsafe, uh, people are not against that. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you have a legal immigration that is too liberal and, and uh, creates uh, areas where there is much crime and social problems, People are against that legal immigration. So it, 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 the, the policy is important here. If you have liberal policies in immigration, then people are against legal immigration. Sure. Uh, thank you. So that's all the time we have today. Mr. Golam Alipur, my sincerest thanks for joining us today. I, I, want, I want to apologize yes. for my English. I know my English isn't that good, but uh, I want to apologize for that. Uh, Oh, no need Thank to you apologize. For inviting me. I think you came across very clear and articulate and uh, answered all of our questions to, to complete satisfaction. So thank you. Um, it's also, um, I also want to thank our audience, of course, for subscribing, uh, tuning in for another Friday webinar. Remember that our project director hosted webinars are Mondays and Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern. And every Wednesday, you can hear from Ashley Perry, who hosts the Israel Insider. Uh, I do want to say, if you'd like to receive a text or email updates on all of the Middle East Forum's advocacy-related campaigns, please text the letters MEF to 52886. That's MEF, the initials for Middle East Forum, to 52886. This will subscribe you to our action alerts, which will give you the chance to send letters, sign petitions, and sign up for special activism-related events. Uh, Nima, where can our viewers find your books if they're interested in purchasing them? They are in Swedish, uh, a Swedish uh, store called Adlibris. Uh, so it's, it's two Swedish stores, uh, Adlibris and Cideon.com. Okay. So, uh, I'll tell you what. We'll put a link to them uh, in the YouTube video that follows follows this. Of course. And with that, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you again next week. Goodbye for now.